Hello, hello, and welcome to all of you beautiful souls tuning in today to the Heart of the Soul podcast. I'm your host, Mana, and I'm so happy you're here. This is a space where we remember what it means to be wild women walking upon this earth, navigating the ebbs and flows of the seasons we're in. This podcast is an opportunity for women to practice using our voices and the ancient ritual of storytelling. We share our stories and honor how they inevitably shift and change over time and depending on who we're sharing them with. I hope that as you soak in heartfelt stories, you're able to feel less alone and more connected to all the beautiful souls of this world. Today is Monday, October 24th, and I'm currently in my mother-in-law's bedroom here in Eastern Washington. And she is trained for too little, so I can sit here and be with Fairly Theta. I have Fairly Theta here with me today. Um, she has a podcast called Love and a Little Magic, which is magic in and of itself. Uh, we first met on the Free Birth Society membership, and I've enjoyed listening to the wisdom that she hears on her podcast about healing herself, which heals the world, or healing ourselves can heal the world, and asking questions like, are you thriving? Fairly, I would love for you to take a moment to tell people where you are in the world and a bit about yourself and what brought you here today. Thank you. I am Fairly Theta. Um, I am currently in central Pennsylvania. I just moved here um, in March, actually a month before my daughter was born. Um, after so many years in New York, New York City, New Jersey, that general area. And it's been remarkable. It's a remarkable place in the world here. Um, and I'm feeling so energetically different um, than I was even just a year ago, which has been incredibly healing in and of itself. So, um, yeah. I am in my bedroom, which is new to me. I, I, like I said, I lived in a very small um, apartment in New York before. So having all of this beautiful space is incredible. And it's such a gift to be able to set up and actually share and sit down with people virtually in a space like this um, that is my own and not have to worry about, you know, the entire world outside as well. So thank you so much for having me. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, what brought you to Pennsylvania? Why Pennsylvania? Well, Had you visited before, or? I, you know, I, I grew up, um, not very, very far away. I grew up <clears> in New Jersey, which is only about, about three and a half, four hours from where I am now. Um, but a lot of my friends growing up, because I was homeschooled and I didn't have like a you know, like a very central um, friend group hub, like a lot of kids do growing up. A lot of my friends were virtual and they were mostly located in Pennsylvania. So I did spend a lot of time growing up in Pennsylvania, but it was the like Bucks County, Philadelphia area, not quite this far out. So it's a little funny to me that I ended up here afterwards. It's this weird full circle moment of my life where it's like, oh, I do live in Pennsylvania now. <laughs> after all of that. Um, but we actually ended up where we ended up because, you know, like I said, I lived in New York and, um, I really, I always thought I was going to live in New York city. Um, when I was a kid growing up, I really fell in love with that city vibe and like, you know, being able to just walk out the door and do anything at any hour of the day. It was, I shouldn't say anything because it's a very different kind of anything <laughs> that I can do here. Um, but you know what I mean? Where it's like, you know what? I want to go get a bag of pretzels at four o'clock in the morning. And it's like, sure, you pop down to the corner bodega and there it is. And to me, that was magical at, you know, 16 (laughs) and to be able to like, you know, feel like a part of history. I grew up, I was a goth kid and it was like all the, the punk rock magic of New York city. So I lived there for quite some time. And then, um, you know, it became very apparent to me while I was in college and beyond that punk rock is pretty dead actually, (laughs) you know? Um, so 
it 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 was only a matter of time before that got a little stale um and i needed more space to breathe and after 2020 and 2021 and all the rest of that went down the world kind of went sideways um i found that i was pregnant and we had talked about getting out of new york for quite some time but we had no idea where to go so it was really sort of a um weekend getaway we had planned to visit some friends who had moved out to this area um they had lived in jersey city for many years after they left new york city and uh, my daughter sorry um and we just came out here to visit and it was amazing you know yeah. the 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 community that they had become a part of in such a short amount of time was so welcoming and you know we were there the first night and there was a whole group of friends who were eager to meet us and invite us to dinners and, you know, um, really make space for us there. And just the driving through this, this beautiful rolling landscape, it was magical and we couldn't really leave. <laughs> it was, it was, it was definitely tense to, you know, get back in the car and go back to New York after our weekend was over. So, you know, the very last day we were here, um, we were sitting in my friend's kitchen and she has this beautiful, like restored farmhouse, um, on, you know, this gorgeous cliff. Um, and we just sat there with my computer open and we started looking at listings and about um, a week later, we found this property and things were in motion. So it kind of all came together like that. Um, wow, the market was crazy. I know, right? We were so afraid we were going to be looking for a year and a half. And I was going to be toting a toddler around to house showings because that's how crazy the market was where we are. Um, and instead, it just all came together. So I'm here and, you know, my daughter was born on this property, which is exactly what I wanted, um, you know, for us as a family. And it's been a learning journey and a healing journey and a gift to wake up here every day. It really is. Yes. Wow. Yes. You've had a lot of transition in a short period of time. Um, yeah. How is transition for you? How do you, like, do you, like, I feel like the flow of the seasons when we live in a space with four seasons, that's such like a natural time to like experience those transitions each year. And I wonder how you connect with the season and are you comfortable in the transition or does it like, you know, yeah. How do transitions feel for you? Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the one of the things that i think is the most striking about you know where we are now um we bought this house just about exactly a year ago actually um the end of october last year but we didn't move in until uh, i moved in in march my husband joined me in april no i'm sorry i moved in february my husband joined me in march um so we've not really experienced the full spectrum of seasons but we have you know we've we've seen at least bits of winter um here before we were here full time and it's it's very um how do i put it it it's you end up sinking to the energy of the seasons i end up sinking to the energy of the seasons very easily um where you know in new york when i was there you know we were living in this very like tiny industrial apartment over a garage like a commercial garage and it was kind of a slog where it's like oh you mean now it's going to start snowing and i'm going to have to cross the street with like puddles of slush and like oh the leaves what if i step on a bug and it's like you know we're here you know like i said i moved here in february um which was kind of the tail end of winter so we did end up missing a, a bulk of the winter and then about a week before my daughter was born in April, we had this massive snowstorm and all the trees had already bloomed. Um, so it was very strange. It was, you know, everything was green. The grass had come back and we have this beautiful weeping cherry outside our bedroom door. And I woke up that morning and it was just covered in snow and it looked like someone had decorated for Christmas, but 
overnight outside in spring. And I think that was the moment that I realized that this is not a place that you live as a like master of land. You know, you don't buy this house and just command it. You know, you live in harmony with this land. You have to. Um, Otherwise, you. Sorry, we're going to fuss a little bit here. (laughs) Bringing her up here for the conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, she sees the camera now. (laughs) Um, Yeah. you, You know, being on on this on this property in this place you realize that you're just a part of an ecosystem and you know when it snows it's not about how you're going to get to your car and how fast you're going to get to work it's you know understanding the processes that are going to change around that event so like you know the fact that it snowed in april none of the fruit trees really grew fruit this year um you know know, the the vegetables came up later it was definitely a very you know kind of wonky growing season nice with the kitty good girl um and that in and of itself you know maybe echoed a little bit it's it's hard to tell sometimes whether the internal reflects the external or vice versa because you know my daughter was born uh, at the end of april And I had envisioned for myself this really, you know, intensive gardening season. And I was going to plant all of these things and harvest all of my own food. And then, you know, being postpartum, especially those first few weeks in the thick of the growing season, I couldn't really get out of bed and, you know, intensely farm. Um, it wasn't happening. <laughs> so no, it's, no, it's, you needed to rest. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little funny where it's like, oh, you know, but the growing season was a little strange this year. And my growing season was a little strange this year too, for its own reasons. So like, I've definitely felt myself sink here in a way that I haven't with other places. Um, and it's yeah, part like of this. It sounded yeah. like. I was just going to say, it sounded like when you were describing sort of sometimes the experience of the seasons in New York, that there was some like resistance to it. And here it feels like more like embracing the season and the shift. And um, I think that is so like aligned and beautiful. And at the same time, you also made this huge transition fully from like maiden into mother, which is like one of those transformative like I hate all the link hate whatever I hate all the language <laughs> that people are like get back to how you were before you were a mom oh, and it's like yeah. no that doesn't exist anymore like that's a whole you know we never go back to being the person we were before we were a mother we're completely transformed and for you you were also in a whole new place and new community and I wonder if you could speak to that experience at all for yourself and was there the community that you were anticipating would be there as you um gave birth and did you have the support postpartum that you were hoping for or how was that for you well um it's 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 interesting um because I do think that this you're right. You know, the, there is no going back, um, as far as like, you know, when, when you cross that motherhood threshold, you become a different person and you, you, there are parts of yourself that you'll never access again. And it's funny because taking such a giant leap moving felt like the same thing, honestly, exactly too, where it was like, you know, now we're here and there are things that we can't access anymore. And there are parts of ourselves that we can't go back to because this is what we chose. Um, so it was kind of this, this, this crashing realization all at once of, of these things. Um, so I do, I do think that they all kind of co-contributed to each other. Um, when I gave birth, I actually, um, 
I had actually worked with a midwife for most and she was um, local to my now home. Um, she was one of the, I think she was actually the only midwife in the area I could get in contact with who was accepting anybody um, for home births in this area. Um, <laughs> my daughter thinks <clears throat> this is a fun toy. Um, and so at about 38 weeks, when she had prepared for our home visit, um, you know, she came here and checked everything out and we had a whole plan in place. We actually had to go back to New York to get some paperwork signed for my husband's job um, and his insurance. And we had to have it signed by a New York practitioner. They would not accept our midwife's signature. So I panicked. I managed to find a New York home birth midwife who was willing to sign the paperwork in exchange for one prenatal exam. And I was like, sure, let's do it. How bad can it be? Um, except that the way that it was all timed out, we had to basically like wake up here and then race back to New York, which is like a five hour drive and Uh-oh. sneak in like and just before her closing you're really hours. pregnant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was, you know, 38 weeks pregnant and, um, it was, it was intense and like we were running late. And so, you know, I, normally I was drinking so much water during my pregnancy, you know, you have to, but also like, I was just incredibly thirsty all the time. And mm. I didn't drink water that day. Cause I didn't want to be stopping every five minutes to use rest stops and the rest of it. Um, and so we got to this midwife and first of all, she measured me, she measured my fundal height in a way that was very different from what, um, I was used to. So instead of measuring um instead of measuring me laying down as I was used to being measured she measured me sitting up um and she Mm. was instantly like oh um you know has your midwife uh like has, has your midwife expressed any concern for the fact that you're measuring so small and I'm like excuse me you know and she was like um you know well, if she hasn't brought it up before, it's probably fine. Um, you know, maybe like it's, it's could be your frame. I'm very tall. Um, so she was like, maybe it's just your height. And I was like, okay, but I was still very concerned. And she's like, I think you have low amniotic fluid, but you know, not my place to say I'm not your main midwife. So I'm just planting this seed of like concern and fear. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so I, um, I of course leave. And at this point it's like seven o'clock at night and I'm exhausted and we've driven for so long and I'm a little bit panicked and I text our midwife and, um, I ask her, you know, is there any reason why I would be measuring so vastly different between two days? You know, she just measured me the day before and had said that in fact, she thought that my baby was probably totally average size, like seven pounds. And, mm-hmm. you know, everything was great. And she texts me back like two hours later and is like, um, oh, how did she phrase it? Oh, something like, oh, hmm, strange. Um, I trust my judgment, though, and I haven't really thought there's any concern here. Um, probably just, you know, two different people measuring. And I was like, OK, I'm satisfied with that answer. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, I did, I did the Googling thing and, you know, found forum post on forum post of people saying the same thing and that they had delivered perfectly healthy, normal babies. And I was like, fine, I'm over it. So <laughs> we're about to drive back home from New York. Everything is in order and um, it's about five o'clock at night and I get a call from our midwife and she says, you know, um, like, I, she was like, I hope that, you know, you're, you're doing okay today. Have you had any, you know, further thoughts about yesterday? And I was like, I'm totally better. I feel so much, you know, better at this point. Um, you know, good to go. And she's like, well, I've been thinking about it and maybe you shouldn't be so confident. And I was like, what? Like what? Like, and, and the color, I think totally drained out of my face. And I just look at my husband and he's like, put it on speaker because like, what's going on right now. And she's like, um, 
So I'm going to call the hospital and talk to the midwife team there, but I really think that you should be doing an ultrasound and like a body scan because I know it just doesn't sit right with me. And, um, uh, I went back over my papers and I realized, you know, yeah, you have been measuring a little bit small, so it's just better if we, if we get this checked out and, um, you know, and I'm just like, Ooh, this came out of nowhere, you know, came out of literally nowhere. Um, and the whole reason that we had gone with this midwife was because she caters to a lot of the local Amish community. And, you know, I know they're not on board with medical intervention. So I was, you know, really thinking that this was going to be the the safest bet, the best way to guarantee what I needed out of this birth experience. Um, and here she is telling me that I need a body scan <laughs> at 38 weeks. And, you know, by the way, you might want to bring a bag because if they find something, you know, really wrong, you might be, you, you're in the age range to, or you're in the gestational age range to be induced. What? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? give me a few minutes and I'll call you back and like, we'll, we'll let you know what we're going to do. Cause we're in New York anyway. So we actually, you know, pull over on the side of the road and I'm sobbing and my husband is getting angry and we're both like, you know what? It's five o'clock at night. We're not going to get there before 10. Does this really have to happen today? We were going to see her like two days later. I think, I think it was a Friday. We were going to see her on that Monday. And she was like, um, I just missed, you know, the midwife team anyway, because um, they leave at five, I guess. <laughs> she's like, so um, if you're, you know, why don't you just come to my office on Monday and we'll talk about it. Okay. So um, we actually, we had her birth pool here in our house um, ready to go. So we came back, we packed it up, we put it in the car. And we were totally ready to tell her to take a hike on Monday because we, whether or not there was anything wrong with our baby, we could not have someone with that level of doubt in our space during that time. Mm -hmm. And we end up going there on Monday and, you know, we figured it would probably look a little fishy to just kind of drop it on the doorstep and run. So we were like, okay, we're going to go through with the appointment as if nothing is wrong. And then like basically call her Tuesday or whatever and just say, you know what? We thought about it. We're going with a different direction. So normally we would get in and like talk, you know, before we would do any measuring or anything. And instead this time we go straight to the back and she starts to take heart tones. and. You know, the one thing that had always kind of bothered us about this supposedly low intervention midwife was that she had us wear masks in her office. So I'm wearing a mask and she's taking heart tones and I'm super nervous because we're literally breaking up with someone. And mm -hmm. she looks at me and the look on her face was like extreme concern. And she's like, the baby's heart is way too fast. And she's like, I'm getting like 190 or something like that. And, you know, this is technically a tachycardic episode. And I was, I, then I start really panicking. Um, and my husband is like, you know what? Go back into the other room, take off your mask, like calm down. You got to just breathe through this. And because he's like, she's having a panic attack. Like you can't actually take accurate measurements if she's having a panic attack. And totally. he's getting kind of upset with her. <laughs> um, and sure enough, in like five minutes, I was breathing. I, I took my mask off. I was breathing fine. Her heart rate went back down to its normal range. And, you know, everyone was, was, was good. But... Of course, at that point, the midwife is like, I'm really concerned by that. And um, I think that you need to leave here and go to the hospital and do a non-stress test. And um, I and she's like, if if this is how you are, how your baby is reacting to a routine prenatal exam, you know, I don't think she's going to survive labor. Literally what she told me. And nerve. Whoa. Uh, yeah. And I was like, well, what do you think they're going to do with the hospital? 
And she's like, well, they're going to do this test. And if they don't like the results, then they'll induce you. And I was like, wait a minute, you just said she's not going to survive labor. And then those are natural contractions. You think she's going to survive induced contractions? Those are stronger. And she was like, oh, oh yeah, no, you're right. Um, but you know, in that case, it'll probably just be a C-section. You know, you could have your baby by the end of this week. And I'm just like, <laughs> none of this is what I wanted. So at that point, I'm panicking, I'm sobbing. And my husband is like, you know what? Give us the day to think. And, you know, we'll we'll talk later or tomorrow morning and and figure out what to do. Um and she was like, okay, that sounds good to me, which, you know, in my mind, even in my freaking out was like, so this isn't an emergency. Cause if it was, there would be no option to talk later. So we knew we were like, that's it. We have to get rid of her. There is no option here. Um, and we, we went back the next morning and sure enough, she meets us outside with this little clipboard and I'm like, oh my God, she's breaking up with us. <laughs> this is how this is going. So, um, it was, you know, we, I, I cut her off at the pass and was just like, I, we have to go in separate directions. We're going to take a different route at this point. Um, and she's like, oh, I'm so glad to hear you say that because I, I just, I don't think we could continue with care. You know, I think that, I think that the trust has been broken on all sides and I'm like, what did, what did you have to trust me on? Like, I'm the one giving birth here. Um, so bizarre. I know. Right. So at that point, you know, it was kind of a like, well, what do we do? And as you said, you know, in the beginning, I was already a member of the Free Birth Society membership. Um, you know, I had talked with Emily um, a few times just as far as like unpacking some of the issues that I had brought to my pregnancy to begin with. And um, I was like, I think we're going to have to free birth it. Like, I think this is just the way this is going to be. And I kind of always saw it that way from the beginning. So again, you know, how much is the external so reflecting that- the internal? <laughs> um, but, you know, we had moved here because of the community. So this was a community connection. Um, not that she was an intimate friend of anybody we knew, but she was a, you know, respected person about town in a, a good fr- a, a good friend who owned business in the same town. So we were just like, we don't want to like burn a bridge here or anything like that. Um, but there were no other community resources available to us at that point. It was like, well, we got what we got and now we're on our own. Um, so in that way, you know, there was a slight disappointment, I guess, in like where we were. And, you know, even when we mentioned to a couple friends what had happened, they were like, well, you can't do it by yourself. Like that's, that's dangerous and that's bad. And like, you know, this is your first baby. Are you sure you want to do that? So we got offers Mm. of like, you know, I know this RN and I know this person who could come and sit with you guys. And, you know, at one point, actually my favorite offer and and we were close on taking it was to have um, a little Amish woman come and sit with us, um, you know, just in case while I gave birth, Um, which we realized, you know, later quickly that it would never work in our home just because... We have a lot of strange art and things that the Amish would probably not remotely appreciate. Um, so, yeah, when when it actually came time to, you know, postpartum, like kind of call on some people for support, we were a little disappointed um, that nobody kind of really came through for us in any way. Um you know, even like all the meals that were prepared my were on my husband, he took care of everything postpartum, which I am so grateful for. Um, you know, we we were having construction done on the house. And even that, like the contractors were like, well, we're just going to not come, you know, because we want you to have your space and whatever, which was a lovely effort. But honestly, for us, it would have been better to like get through it than it would have been to just kind of keep living in the const- like there was garbage in my house you know <laughs> like it was not just like noise it was like actual construction mess please come and take the garbage kind of thing um mm-hmm. you know and looking back and and I've always been the kind of person that can kind of take myself out of the situation to try to figure out what's going on with other people in it I think they thought they were being considerate 
Like we give them time and we give them space to adjust to being a family and we'll regroup on the other side of that. Um, and honestly too, like your sense of time when you're postpartum is totally different from anybody else's sense of time. So time gets away from people and they might, like, I, I still have friends now who are just like, oh my God, I meant to get in touch with you. And I'm like, it's been six months, you know, <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's not a, you know, so time moves differently for people. So, you know, now on this side of everything where, um, you know, my daughter is six months old and we're kind of getting back out into the world, mm. things are coming together, you know, for us, we're, we've met mm -hmm. even more people and we've, you know, kind of fallen in with a bunch of great new friends, um, that have been amazing. Um, and I'm so glad that we're here. But there was definitely time when I was in the thick of postpartum where I was mourning, you know, like, oh, my God, what did we do? You know, we left everything we knew. We left all the connections we've ever made. And we're here alone with a baby. <laughs> so it was a it was a trial by fire. It was. And may I ask you, you said you got lots of offers for people to like come and be with you in labor, but can I ask what you, what you chose in the end for your birth? Um, we decided that, um, you know, considering how everything had played out with the midwife, we really did not want to invite any other stranger into our space. Um, mm -hmm. regardless of how experienced or how, you know, beloved they were to others, we didn't know them and we wanted to just handle it on our own. So we, we, we crash coursed everything we could. Um, I had been, you know, I'm, I'm a researcher by nature. I love to read and learn and find the ins and outs of literally everything, um, so as soon as I got pregnant, I was just like, we're going to learn everything I can in the nine month period. Um, obviously birth is such a huge, huge field and event and experience that you can't really like study for it in that time. Um, but mm -hmm. I did, you know, <laughs> it was definitely, yeah. I read every book I could, I learned every technique I could. Um, so I was not feeling unprepared or scared about giving birth on my own. My yeah. husband needed a little more encouragement. So when we let go of our midwife, you know, I caught him up on everything I could. You know, we sat down with a number of people um, who are midwives or doulas or, you know, from the free birth membership mm -hmm. or, you know, Emily and tried to cram for every scenario we could as far as like but, what could but, happen. But in the end, you chose to birth with just you and your husband present. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And the cat and the dog, because you can't well, get rid of them. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, and it was just us. Wonderful. Yeah. 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 And so then how, how was that experience for your constellation as a family and that transition? I know like for myself, it was, you know, a huge transition to have, this like living baby and to be then so much of my attention was on our baby. And like my husband went through some like periods of feeling sad and like neglected because all of my energy was here and my little one wasn't sleeping very much. Like he liked to sleep attached to the boobs. So I was like, you know, I was co-sleeping with him and just not getting much sleep myself. And yeah, I would yeah, I'd love to hear what else you might want to share about that shift for you. Yeah. <laughs> it it was it was a shift, that's for sure. Um, you know, I think maybe because of the way we went into the birth process, um, we had kind of anticipated isolating um, you know, afterwards and and taking some time to adjust. And I had envisioned, you know, we had this new life and we were going to, you know, spend days in bed cuddling and learning each other and, you know, really just kind of getting to recalibrate as a family. But, you know, like I said, we were kind of in the middle of this, this big other transition as well. So we had construction happening on the house, even though it was, you know, paused for the week that I was, <clears throat> you know, in labor and, and even afterwards. Um, 
and my husband was kind of in full like home improvement mode or like home making mode um mm-hmm. so like the day after I gave birth he was refinishing the kitchen he put up a new backsplash and like had all these little projects to take care of and I like I've never been I'm I'm an extrovert I you know might be only like one percent on the extrovert scale but I do lean extroverted so for me to process change especially I really do need other people around to kind of bounce thoughts off of yeah like a like a you know a a give and take maybe even I'm feeling something that I don't even recognize until other people kind of help me through it so Mm -hmm. with him not there um it was a little difficult for me to you know even though I was able to rest and focus solely on the baby and really kind of you know feel my body and and figure out what it was that I was working on healing even internally um, <laughs> um <laughs> it was difficult for me to do that on my own and I do think that you know perhaps jumping into a new house at the same time was not the right idea for us um yeah do you feel like you knew what you needed in those times <laughs> or is it like only upon like because I feel like for myself sometimes it's like I can reflect and be like, oh, I needed to like ask for this or, you know, do that. And yeah. yet when I was in the moment, my mind was like mush and I, you know, I well, and you're, you're totally freshly postpartum brain where you're just, you're mush anyway. <laughs> so yeah, it was probably a good two months or so before I realized what it was that I needed. Um, there I'm, I'm not going to like sugarcoat anything and pretend I definitely had some depression issues afterwards and I recognize now that it was because of the isolation um Mm -hmm. it was not you know trauma or lack of processing or anything like that or you know healing it was literally that I had isolated myself in a way that was not conducive to me as a person um Mm -hmm. who are you talking to (laughs) um um you know, looking back, you know, I, I should have made a point to ask even other people to come by and, you know, say hi and, you know, whatever, sit with me for however long. Um, but it, it took me a bit to get there. Um, I'd say that really it took us about three months to adjust really to being a family and needing to like, being able, I should say, to balance our own needs with the needs of a baby. Because just like you're saying, you know, she would not sleep unless she was attached to a boob. And she even like had some feeding issues for the first few weeks. We had to really work hard on her latch. And it was like one thing after another, it was like this kind of like, it it felt like Groundhog's Day, you know? Um, mm-hmm. you wake up, you do the, the feed pump, you know, diaper cycle and you do it again and again and again. And then by the time the baby is out, out at like eight, you're just like, oh my God, how am I going to, am I going to do this another day? Um, and I, I, I have some regret, I guess, about the way that I felt during those times, um, because I recognize how easy it would have been to resolve. I just needed mm-hmm. to ask somebody to be there. And I, I, I wasn't able to, um, so, yeah, I mean, it's so hard and so common because like we're in living in this culture where it's just so normal to like, yeah. we have like shifted into like out of this, like societal communal living and into such like nuclear little boxes. And we don't talk that much about postpartum and the support that yes. is like so like needed and and ideally is is provided without the woman having to ask for it herself exactly that uh, takes energy and effort too even to reach out and ask someone for support when you're already like struggling we need people the women in our community to know that we need support in that time and show up and bring things and hold space and that's like the future that I dream about and want to like help co-create as we move forward in 
this life and in this experience as women building our own community building communities it's it's true you know and even on the side of things talking to you know women who have done this before me my mother and you know other mothers of especially her generation um you know I would be told things like well that's just not how we did it you know you came home from the hospital and like you know maybe your mom came to stay for a little bit and it's like you know but that's still so far from what it really needs to be to really have like this really is a rite of passage and we don't have any way of marking that and in fact like you said before it's like the language around it is oh get back to xyz and it's like no (laughs) there's no get back to this is this is a change and we don't treat it that way and other people don't even understand what it is that that you do need you know let alone being able to supply it without explicit instructions and then you're pushy you know so right well you've got a lot to say about this little girl (laughs) Uh, yes have you heard of like the term matrescence matrescence yes it's one of my favorite words wonderful yeah that's something that like over these last couple of years I've really been like ooh, like it's been coming up in more things that I'm listening to and looking at and just like I feel like, but a lot of people have never even heard of it. And I'm like, it's so, I love that it encompasses like adolescence, like that transition from like child into, um, you know, you're not quite an adult, but you're like in that sphere and that everything is changing. Hormones are changing. Your body is changing and matrescence is similar, but different in that we're becoming mothers and that our hormones are shifting our bodies are shifting and changing and like you said we don't go back our bodies don't go back to how they were they'll never be exactly the same we you know each day of our life we're growing one day older and um having if we had like a fully like cultural societal awareness of matrescence and if I feel like like you said like rites of passage and ceremony and rituals like those things are so can be so potent and so um helpful in these times and yet they're not commonplace or common practice no and I think I definitely didn't realize until I became a mother oh no my boogie girl um that you know we have a life cycle human beings are part of of you know the larger animal culture we have a life cycle and it plays out every single day so you know it's not like it's I think that we're kind of duped into thinking that we are like part of this eternal youth culture um Yay! Daddy came to the rescue there. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we are. We think that we're part of this eternal youth culture, and you know, it's it's like all about the productivity and the hustle and the constant ups energy, and you know, we are expected to get back to being a child, not even a child, being a being a constant teenager, and it's unrealistic. Um, and quite honestly, it's so damaging because I do think it robs us of so much meaning, you know, having a baby and watching her grow and develop. And, you know, I really am, you know, my husband works from home and I, you know, work with uh, things here too, but like, I really am 99% a mom and I do what I can afterwards um so I spend all of my time watching her and trying to help her not even help just encourage her um it's amazing it's a psychedelic trip every single second and you really do center yourself in this awareness of you know I was that at one point and you know I will be her grandmother and you know like uh, there's there's a cycle we don't think about that And certainly, you know, when everything projected at us is, you know, consume, do the hobbies, you know, side hustle, whatever it is, 
you don't get to understand how incredible it is that we're human beings. We are human animals and we are bringing the next generation of human animals into this world. And Mm -hmm. if I teach her one thing, I hope it is that time is not infinite. We are finite creatures and you need to squeeze meaning out of every single moment because it's there. It's not like there are just meaningless moments. Every single moment means something, even when it's not Instagrammable, even when it's not pretty enough, you know, to take a snapshot of there's meaning. And that has been my number one, like motherhood lesson, um, which, you know, again, ties right back into my number one rural living lesson. You know, <laughs> It's all one and the same. So, you know, we're making it work at this point at six months. We're making it work. It took a little bit to get there, but here we are. Yeah. But I love how you're speaking to like the, the real of like the presence of being in the moment and just being with your daughter and not forcing any of these like different expectations or like so much of like you know, like the apps of like tracking what your child is doing at this age and are they sitting up and are they waving and are they doing all these different, like, why, why are we so focused on like ticking off these little boxes rather than just like being with them and experiencing who they are and who they're blossoming into without like trying to force them to do certain tasks so that we can tell other people or tell them. I don't know. It's just, it's such an I think interesting. It's, yeah. Right? I think it's like a replacement. If, if you are expected to go back to work and, you know, reintegrate into the machine, then you need those hallmarks to be like, oh, six months, she should be sitting up by herself or whatever it is because you don't see the day-to-day growth, you know? And that's really sad. Like that's really, my heart breaks thinking about all the Mm. mothers and babies who have to separate far too soon because they can't exist outside of the system that we've all been really thrown into. Um, no other, no other mammals leave their babies at that sort of vulnerable stage when they're needing nutrition from the mother, when they need like the nervous system connection. And yet most babies and mothers are torn apart. Yeah. When- yeah. It's really, it's really, I can't imagine leaving my daughter for more than, you know, 15 minutes at a time, honestly, like even like we've, we've gone out maybe twice since she's been born. And it was just, you know, my mother or my sister who watched her and my sister honestly looks exactly like me. And I think even, (laughs) I think even she was a little confused about it. Um, so like I, I, it, it really does break my heart to think about that hustle culture being so predominant and really stealing meaningful moments from, from human beings. Um, And, you know, that's not even to speak about like the developmental, like, are we just all becoming anxious disaster people (laughs) because we live in this world where it's normal to be separated and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But um, that's a whole, that's a whole rabbit hole conversation in itself. Yes. But it's like, it's so true. I love how you bring also the aspect of, you know, we don't have infinite time. Like no one knows when our, when your time will be to die. Like people don't even like saying die or death. Like, Mm -mm. but I really try to use those terms because all of us do die from, you know, the moment we come into existence, like we come to go, like no human gets to stay. No flower that blossoms stays blossomed for infinity. It dies and goes back to the earth and another flower is then born. And we don't acknowledge that, yeah, tomorrow is guaranteed no one. And so like embracing the moments and times we have now. No, it's, it's like, it's, yeah, it's true. And I think that, you know, I, I'm obviously, I am not dying imminently that I know of. Um, but to say, I, I really think that when you get to that point and you look back, 
I really don't think you're going to look back and say like, oh man, I really wish that I had made more money so I could have gotten that Gucci wallet or like, you know, whatever it is that like I hear people strive for these days. Like, oh, I just wish another building could have been named after me. It's like, you're, you're probably going to look back and go like, I wish I had more time with my children. I wish I had more time with my spouse. I wish I had, you know, more meaningful traditions that I could have passed on. Like, that's really what I've I've been smacked in the face with <laughs> for lack of a better you know comparison here um being a mother you know like I did finally at one point reach out to my parents and just say like look I feel like I'm drowning and I need some help and you know even if you just you're you're coming out to sit with us for you know they live about four hours away so like, even if you're just coming out for a couple hours for lunch or something I'd love to see you and like yeah. you know and I mentioned to my dad how I kind of regret not doing more um, earlier on in my life, like kind of setting myself up maybe a more solid career base or like whatever it was to kind of have more to fall back on now. Um, like if we only had that extra 10000 in the bank kind of thing, you know, and my dad, my dad was the one who was like, you know you what you're doing now is more important than any job you could have you know what you are doing with your daughter you know his granddaughter is going to have more impact on the world than any body of work that i could have produced you know or you know any meaningless rack up the money career you know i could have had um and that's not to say that people don't create amazing things that impact generations upon generations, but you know what I mean? Like it, it's about people without people, you don't have society and you don't have history and you don't have the rest of it. So being a mom is an incredibly tasking, uh, you know, the career in itself. Um, and that's also been kind of an adjustment to realize that right now my currency is moments and meaning rather than like happy clients and, you know, money in the bank. Um, but I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to make me a dissatisfied person in the end. I really think that this ultimately is going to mean so much more looking back, not just for me, but for my daughter and any future children that I have, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah I, I crying found- out there, sir. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Do you want to go check or? I I I I think he got it under control. Sorry, I, it's the it's the radar of just like oh no, my baby's crying. Oh, of <laughs> so. course, of course. Um, I was just gonna. I was I gonna say about like? I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Um, just I've had like a reckoning with myself about the value of the unpaid work that we do as mothers. Like our society doesn't value it but yet assigning value it, to it myself and that like the unpaid work and nurturing of being a mother and mothering my kids, especially at this age when like right now they're like two and a half and almost six, like these years, like never return. Like I've cared for so many other people's babies and kids in also these precious times that then sometimes as they're reflecting back, they're like, Oh, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids when they were little. Cause now they're like about to leave the nest and you can't get that time back. Mm-hmm. And just because society doesn't value the, the work that I'm doing doesn't mean that I can't value it <clears throat> and see it as important. And yeah. Yeah. I I think that maybe the takeaway there is that we really should be thinking about what society values. Um, Just because society values it does not mean that it in itself is valuable. And perhaps we all need to kind of look at where our values align or disalign with society and figure out whether that's maybe what's causing some of the strife, you know, that we experience when it comes to these life transitions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was definitely thrown out of whack, you know, you know, coming into motherhood, realizing I couldn't just strap a baby to my chest and take all my appointments the way I normally would. And I had to be okay with the fact that, you know, 
this was my job now. And ultimately, you know, I know it's the right decision. Um, the fact that society doesn't, I feel like that's society's problem. You know, <laughs> like, you know, it's, yes. it's, yes. there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of illness out there that I think it's time to kind of face head on. Um, but that is another part of, Absolutely. I think the motherhood journey is, is looking at this going, what am I teaching <clears throat> my daughter? And, you know, am I okay with the impression this is going to leave on her? So in that way, it's been a little easier to kind of weed through some of these influences and values and kind of make the choice on our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as we near close here, is there any, like, what else would you like to share or for women that maybe are preparing to birth or like, what would you want them to know about motherhood that you have been learning through your experience? Um, I, I would say, you know, don't, (laughs) I was about to say, don't make any plans, but that sounds so much worse than I mean for it to, I mean, don't get hung up on your expectations. You know, you, you, you as a mother, you don't even know who you're going to be yet. And certainly, you know, even if you are so in tune with your baby, you know, in the womb, you don't know who that baby is going to be and what their journey is going to necessarily include. So stay open, you know, give yourself grace and don't get so hung up on the expectation of the vision board that you've created for motherhood. Um, it's it's going to be beautiful if you allow it to be. There's going to be a lot of downtime. There's going to be a lot of time to think and process. So don't worry about planning up front. Um, stay open. Yeah, no, that's so good. It makes me think about like all the expectations of mothers and wherever we're born, like it's different depending on where you are in the world and who your community is, what they expect a woman to do as she becomes a mother and how she's expected to behave in society towards her child, like in her marriage and that we do have a choice whether or not we want to take on those expectations and fulfill what other people want of us or have the ability and choice to create our own expectations of ourselves. And then also like you're saying, but don't like you can't like even know what you're going to be or how that's going to unfold until you're in it. And maybe even like years later, reflecting back and witnessing what, what became of that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Witnessing. That's a good, that's a good word for it. Just stay open and witness your experience. Don't worry about steering it as it's happening. I like that. Yes. Beautiful. Would you please tell everyone where they can find you, your podcast, website, anything else? Sure. Um, So you can find me on Instagram at Fairly Theta, just my name. Um, I host Love and a Little Magic, which is my podcast, just kind of solo. And I'm launching a new podcast um, that's going to be more conversational, open up, you know, to just different women's experiences of motherhood and even maidenhood and life in general, the feminine experience, um, Quiet Parts. That's launching very soon. And you can find that on Instagram as well at Quiet Parts. Um, And my website, I am a... Um, card reader and astrologer by trade so I have a few appointments open at this point around my daughter's nap schedule (laughs) Um, but that's thatastrologer.com so that's where you can find me best wonderful thank you thank you for having these this conversation with me today and sharing your wisdom and stories well thank you for having me this has been so much fun And thank you to all of you who are tuning in today. If you love the podcast, I would be so grateful if you choose to subscribe, rate, review, or share the show. If you feel aligned with me and feel called to dive deeper through my sistership support and offerings, you can check out my website or book your free clarity call at birthingnova.love. 
and I would love to connect to you, connect with you. <laughs> Until next time, be brave, be bold, be love, be you.